Chapter Twelve of Anne of Geierstein by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Believe me, sir, it carries a rare form, but tis a spirit. The Tempest. There was a short silence after the Bernese had concluded his singular tale arthur phillipson's attention had been gradually and intensely attracted by a story which was too much in unison with the received ideas of the age to be encountered by the unhesitating incredulity with which it must have been heard in later and more enlightened times he was also considerably struck by the manner in which it had been told by the narrator whom he had hitherto only regarded in the light of a rude huntsman or soldier whereas he now allowed donnerhugel credit for a more extensive acquaintance with the general manners of the world than he had previously anticipated the swiss rose in his opinion as a man of talent but without making the slightest progress in his affections the swashbuckler he said to himself has brains as well as brawn and bones and is fitter for the office of commanding others than i formerly thought him then turning to his companion he thanked him for the tale which had shortened the way in so interesting a manner and it is from this singular marriage he continued that anne of geierstein derives her origin her mother answered the swiss was sibylla of arnheim the infant at whose christening the mother died disappeared or whatever you may list to call it the barony of arnheim being a male fief reverted to the emperor the castle has never been inhabited since the death of the last lord and has as i have heard become in some sort ruinous the occupations of its ancient proprietors and above all the catastrophe of its last inhabitant have been thought to render it no eligible place of residence did there appear anything preternatural said the englishman about the young baroness who married the brother of the landamman so far as i have heard replied rudolph there were strange stories it was said that the nurses at the dead of night have seen hermione the last baroness of arnheim stand weeping by the side of the child's cradle and other things to the same purpose but here i speak from less correct information than that from which i drew my former narrative and since the credibility of a story not very probable in itself must needs be granted or withheld according to the evidence on which it is given may i ask you said arthur to tell me what is the authority on which you have so much reliance willingly answered the swiss know that theodore donnerhugel the favourite page 
of the last baron of arnheim was my father's brother upon his master's death he retired to his native town of bern and most of his time was employed in training me up to arms and martial exercises as well according to the fashion of germany as of switzerland for he was master of all he witnessed with his own eyes and heard with his own ears great part of the melancholy and mysterious events which i have detailed to you should you ever visit burn you may see the good old man you think then said arthur that the appearance which i have this night seen is connected with the mysterious marriage of anne of geierstein's grandfather nay replied rudolph think not that i can lay down any positive explanation of a thing so strange i can only say that unless i did you the injustice to disbelieve your testimony respecting the apparition of this evening i know no way to account for it except by remembering that there is a portion of the young lady's blood which is thought not to be derived from the race of adam but more or less directly from one of those elementary spirits which have been talked of both in ancient and modern times but i may be mistaken we will see how she bears herself in the morning and whether she carries in her looks the weariness and paleness of a midnight watcher if she doth not we may be authorized in thinking either that your eyes have strangely deceived you or that they have been cheated by some spectral appearance which is not of this world to this the young englishman attempted no reply nor was there time for any for they were immediately afterwards challenged by the sentinel from the drawbridge the question who goes there was twice satisfactorily answered before sigismund would admit the patrol to cross the drawbridge ass and mule that thou art said rudolph what was the meaning of thy delay ass and mule thyself hauptmann said the swiss in answer to this objurgation i have been surprised by a goblin on my post once to-night already and i have got so much experience upon that matter that i will not easily be caught a second time what goblin thou fool said donnerhugel would be idle enough to play his gambols at the expense of so very poor an animal as thou art thou art as cross as my father hauptmann replied sigismund who cries fool and blockhead at every word i speak and yet i have lips teeth and tongue to speak with just like other folk we will not contest the matter sigismund said rudolph it is clear that if thou dost differ from other people it is in a particular which thou canst hardly be expected to find out or acknowledge but what in the name of simplicity is it 
which hath alarmed thee on thy post marry thus it was hauptman returned sigismund biederman i was something tired you see with looking up at the broad moon and thinking what in the universe it could be made of and how we came to see it just as well here as at home this place being so many miles from geierstein i was tired i say of this and other perplexing thoughts so i drew my fur cap down over my ears for i promise you the wind blew shrill and then i planted myself firm on my feet with one of my legs a little advanced and both my hands resting on my partisan which i placed upright before me to rest upon and so i shut mine eyes shut thine eyes sigismund and thou upon thy watch exclaimed donnerhugel care not thou for that answered sigismund i kept my ears open and yet it was to little purpose for something came upon the bridge with a step as stealthy as that of a mouse i looked up with a start at the moment it was opposite to me and when i looked up whom think you i saw some fool like thyself said rudolph at the same time pressing philipson's foot to make him attend to the answer a hint which was little necessary since he waited for it in the utmost agitation out it came at last by st mark it was our own anne of geierstein it is impossible replied the bernese i should have said so too quoth sigismund for i had peeped into her bedroom before she went thither and it was so bedizened that a queen or a princess might have slept in it and why should the wench get out of her good quarters with all her friends about her to guard her and go out to wander in the forest maybe said rudolph she only looked from the bridge to see how the night waned no said sigismund she was returning from the forest i saw her when she reached the end of the bridge and thought of striking at her conceiving it to be the devil in her likeness but i remembered my halberd is no birch switch to chastise boys and girls with and i had done anne any harm you would all have been angry with me and to speak truth i should have been ill-pleased with myself for although she doth make a jest of me now and then yet it were a dull house ours were we to lose anne ass answered the bernese didst thou speak to this form or goblin as you call it indeed i did not captain wiseacre my father is ever angry with me when i speak without thinking and i could not at that particular moment think on anything to the purpose neither was there time to think for she passed me like a snowflake upon a whirlwind i marched into the castle after her however calling on her by name so the sleepers were awakened 
and men flew to their arms and there was as much confusion as if archibald of hagenbach had been among us with sword and pike and who should come out of her little bedroom as much startled and as much in a bustle as any of us but mrs anne herself and as she protested she had never left her room that night why i sigismund biederman was made to stand the whole blame as if i could prevent people's ghosts from walking but i told her my mind when i saw them all so set against me and mistress anne quoth i it's well known the kindred you come of and after this fair notice if you send any of your double-gangers to me let them put iron skull-caps on their heads for i will give them the length and weight of a swiss halberd come in what shape they list however they all cried shame on me and my father drove me out again with as little remorse as if i had been the old house-dog which had stolen in from his watch to the fireside the bernese replied with an air of coldness approaching to contempt you have slept on your watch sigismund a high military offence and you have dreamed while you slept you were in good luck that the landamman did not suspect your negligence or instead of being sent back to your duty like a lazy watchdog you might have been scourged back like a faithless one to your kennel at geierstein as chanced to poor ernest for a less matter ernest has not yet gone back though said sigismund and i think he may pass as far into burgundy as we shall do in this journey i pray you however hauptmann to treat me not dog-like but as a man and send some one to relieve me instead of prating here in the cold night air if there be anything to do to-morrow as i well guess there may a mouthful of food and a minute of sleep will be but a fitting preparative and i have stood watch here these two mortal hours with that the young giant yawned portentously as if to enforce the reasons of his appeal a mouthful and a minute said rudolph a roasted ox and a lethargy like that of the seven sleepers would scarce restore you to the use of your refreshed and waking senses but i am your friend sigismund and you are secure in my favourable report you shall be instantly relieved that you may sleep if it be possible without disturbances from dreams pass on young men addressing the others who by this time had come up and go to your rest arthur of england and i will report to the landamman and the banneret the account of our patrol the patrol accordingly entered the castle and were soon heard joining their slumbering companions rudolph donnerhugel seized arthur's arm and while they went towards the hall whispered in his ear these are strange passages how think you 
we should report them to the deputation that i must refer to yourself said arthur you are the captain of our watch i have done my duty in telling you what i saw or thought i saw it is for you to judge how far it is fitting to communicate it to the landamman only as it concerns the honour of his family to his ear alone i think it should be confided i see no occasion for that said the bernese hastily it cannot affect or interest our general safety but i may take occasion hereafter to speak with anne on this subject this latter hint gave as much pain to arthur as the general proposal of silence on an affair so delicate had afforded him satisfaction but his uneasiness was of a kind which he felt it necessary to suppress and he therefore replied with as much composure as he could assume you will act sir hauptman as your sense of duty and delicacy shall dictate for me i shall be silent on what you call the strange passages of the night rendered doubly wonderful by the report of sigismund biederman and also on what you have seen and heard concerning our auxiliaries of Bern, said rudolph on that i shall certainly be silent said arthur unless thus far that i mean to communicate to my father the risk of his baggage being liable to examination and seizure at la ferrette it is needless said rudolph i will answer with head and hand for the safety of everything belonging to him i thank you in his name said arthur but we are peaceful travellers to whom it must be much more desirable to avoid a broil than to give occasion for one even when secure of coming out of it triumphantly these are the sentiments of a merchant but not of a soldier said rudolph in a cold and displeased tone but the matter is your own and you must act in it as you think best only remember if you go to la ferrette without our assistance you hazard both goods and life they entered as he spoke the apartment of their fellow-travellers the companions of their patrol had already laid themselves down amongst their sleeping comrades at the lower end of the room the landamman and the bannerman of Bern heard donnerhugel make a report that his patrol both before and after midnight had been made in safety and without any encounter which expressed either danger or suspicion the bernese then wrapped him in his cloak and lying down on the straw with that happy indifference to accommodation and promptitude to seize the moment of repose which is acquired by a life of vigilance and hardship was in a few minutes fast asleep arthur remained on foot but a little longer to dart an earnest look on the door of anne of geierstein's apartment and to reflect on the wonderful occurrences of the evening 
but they formed a chaotic mystery for which he could see no clue and the necessity of holding instant communication with his father compelled him forcibly to turn his thoughts in that direction he was obliged to observe caution and secrecy in accomplishing his purpose for this he laid himself down beside his parent whose couch with the hospitality which he had experienced from the beginning of his intercourse with the kind-hearted swiss had been arranged in what was thought the most convenient place of the apartment and somewhat apart from all others he slept sound but awoke at the touch of his son who whispered to him in english for the greater precaution that he had important tidings for his private ear an attack on our post said the elder philipson must we take to our weapons not now said arthur and i pray of you not to rise or make alarm this matter concerns us alone tell it instantly my son replied his father you speak to one too much use to danger to be startled at it it is a case for your wisdom to consider said arthur i had information while upon the patrol that the governor of la ferrette will unquestionably seize upon your baggage and merchandise under pretext of levying dues claimed by the duke of burgundy i have also been informed that our escort of swiss youth are determined to resist this exaction and conceive themselves possessed of the numbers and means sufficient to do so successfully by st george that must not be said the elder philipson it would be an evil requital to the true-hearted landamman to give the fiery duke a pretext for that war which the excellent old man is so anxiously desirous to avoid if it be possible any exactions however unreasonable i will gladly pay but to have my papers seized on were utter ruin i partly feared this and it made me unwilling to join myself to the landamman's party we must now break off from it this rapacious governor will not surely lay hands on the deputation which seeks his master's court under protection of the law of nations but i can easily see how he might make our presence with them a pretext for quarrel which will equally suit his own avaricious spirit and the humour of these fiery young men who are seeking for matter of offence this shall not be taken for our sake we will separate ourselves from the deputies and remain behind till they are passed on if this de hagenbach be not the most unreasonable of men i will find a way to content him so far as we are individually concerned meanwhile i will instantly wake the landamman he said and acquaint him with our purpose this was immediately done for philipson was not slow in the execution of his resolutions in a minute he was standing by the side of arnold biederman who raised on his elbow was listening to his communication while over the shoulder of the landamman 
rose the head and long beard of the deputy from schwitz his large clear blue eyes gleaming from beneath a fur cap bent on the englishman's face but stealing a glance aside now and then to mark the impression which what was said made upon his colleague good friend and host said the elder philipson we have heard for a certainty that our poor merchandise will be subjected to taxation or seizure on our passage through la ferrette and i would gladly avoid all cause of quarrel for your sake as well as our own you do not doubt that we can and will protect you replied the landamman i tell you englishman that the guest of a swiss is as safe by his side as an eaglet under the wing of its dam and to leave us because danger approaches is but a poor compliment to our courage or constancy i am desirous of peace but not the duke of burgundy himself should wrong a guest of mine so far as my power might prevent it at this the deputy from schwitz clenched a fist like a bull's knuckles and showed it above the shoulders of his friend it is even to avoid this my worthy host replied philipson that i intend to separate from your friendly company sooner than i desire or purposed bethink you my brave and worthy host you are an ambassador seeking a national peace i a traitor seeking private gain war or quarrels which may cause war are alike ruinous to your purpose and mine i confess to you frankly that i am willing and able to pay a large ransom and when you are departed i will negotiate for the amount i will abide in the town of bale till i have made fair terms with archibald de hagenbach and even if he is the avaricious extortioner you describe him he will be somewhat moderate with me rather than run the risk of losing his booty entirely by my turning back or taking another route you speak wisely sir englishman said the landamman and i thank you for recalling my duty to my remembrance but you must not nevertheless be exposed to danger so soon as we move forward the country will be again open to the devastations of the burgundian riders and lands necks who will sweep the roads in every direction the people of bale are unhappily too timorous to protect you they would yield you up upon the governor's first hint and for justice or lenity you might as well expect it in hell as from hagenbach there are conjurations it is said that can make hell itself tremble said philipson and i have means to propitiate even this de hagenbach providing i can get to private speech with him but i own i can expect nothing from his wild riders but to be put to death for the value of my cloak if that be the case said the landamman and if you must needs separate from us for which i deny not that you have alleged wise and worthy reasons wherefore should you not leave graf's lust two hours before us 
the roads will be safe as our escort is expected and you will probably if you travel early find de hagenbach sober and as capable as he ever is of hearing reason that is of perceiving his own interest but after his breakfast is washed down with rhine wine which he drinks every morning before he hears mass his fury blinds even his avarice all i want in order to execute this scheme said philipson is the loan of a mule to carry my valise which is packed up with your baggage take the she-mule said the landamman she belongs to my brother here from schwitz he will gladly bestow her on thee if she were worth twenty crowns and my comrade arnold desired me to do so said the old whitebeard i will accept her as a loan with gratitude said the englishman but how can you dispense with the use of the creature you have only one left we can easily supply our want from bail said the landamman nay we can make this little delay serve your purpose sir englishman i named for our time of departure the first hour after daybreak we will postpone it to the second hour which will give us enough time to get a horse or mule and you sir philipson space to reach la ferrette where i trust you will have achieved your business with de hagenbach to your contentment and will join company again with us as we travel through burgundy if our mutual objects will permit our travelling together worthy landamman answered the merchant i shall esteem myself most happy in becoming the partner of your journey and now resume the repose which i have interrupted god bless you wise and true-hearted man said the landamman rising and embracing the englishman should we never meet again i will still remember the merchant who neglected thoughts of gain that he might keep the path of wisdom and rectitude i know not another who would not have risked the shedding a lake of blood to save five ounces of gold farewell thou too gallant young man thou hast learned among us to keep thy foot firm while on the edge of a helvetian crag but none can teach thee so well as thy father to keep an upright path among the morasses and precipices of human life he then embraced and took a kind farewell of his friends in which as usual he was imitated by his friend of schwitz who swept with his long beard the right and left cheeks of both the englishmen and again made them heartily welcome to the use of his mule all then once more composed themselves to rest for the space which remained before the appearance of the autumnal dawn End of chapter twelve